Let me pray as we start. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you that uh, you feed our minds with all that is true and excellent. Please help us to think in line with your word as we study the Bible tonight. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verses 8 to the end. And I'm going to read to you uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learnt in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Well, we pause there while uh, uh, Debbie and Annie uh, Trudeau uh, uh, Well done. Uh, and we're going to stay in Philippians chapter 4 and think about what it says. And here's a question to start with. Is there a Duracell battery to keep the Christian going? 
most batteries start bright and then get a bit dimmer. What is it that makes a battery low or makes a battery brighter? Well, we're going to see for the Christian life there are three things that help using the way we use our head, the way we use our heart, and the way we use our hands, okay, to make the battery grow uh, stronger and brighter. First, we're going to start with uh, the head. Here's the thing, obvious I know, but what you think about is your choice. Now, we can leave that choice to other people to tell us what to think. So, as uh, Hannah was explaining in the children's slot, uh, we've got lots of voices telling us lots of things. Uh, the songs we listen to have messages that keep coming in. The books we read, the friends we talk to, all sending messages of making us think a certain way. And the devil is happy to choose what messages come our way to make the battery go down. Because what we think about, all those messages that come in, what we think about ultimately affects the actions that we do. And so I suppose if you're using Hannah's what you think about affects what you do. And Jesus said that when you look at what he said about committing adultery in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. He says, where does adultery start? Um, you know what adultery is. Adultery, Matthew 5, um, essentially it's sort of where it starts is in the mind. When you look at a woman and think, uh, that's where the life is going. So a messed up life usually comes from a messed up mind. And so it's very interesting when Jesus meets a man who was out of control with evil in uh, Mark. That's, sorry, uh, forget this. Okay? Uh, uh, Marcos. Marcos. Uh, not that. Uh, uh, <coughs> wrong word. Uh, too late. I discovered it. Uh, well, what uh, uh, Jesus find is there was a man who was filled with e evil. When he came to Jesus, Marcos chapter 5 verse 15 tells you the difference was that he was sat at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. And verses 8 and 9 tell us what a right mind is like. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 uh, tells us uh, what is in the right mind. How do you find one thing that we can remember 
that all these different things point to. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, how can we summarise that? It's just one thing that we can remember. Let me suggest uh, this is the one thing that these all point to, and that is to God's greatness. Verse 8 is saying, think about God's greatness. And that's what this man, who was clothed in his right mind, he had come uh, to see Jesus, to meet Jesus. He now understood God's greatness. He was back in his right mind. And so we need to think of those things that help us to be aware of God's greatness. That's why Paul says in verse 9, whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Well, we don't know Paul, we weren't there, but we know what Paul wrote. And therefore we can still learn from Paul. And what Paul writes about is the greatness of God. And uh, we can uh, uh, understand that from him. And the more we think of the greatness of God, the more the God of peace in verse 9 will be with us. So what you think about affects how you feel about God. If you think that God is great, you will know uh, his peace confident in his control. So, it comes to thinking about his greatness. And so therefore, it comes back to choosing how we think. Rather than just simply taking the messages, we think. Where is God's greatness denied? Go to a film, and there may be messages in there that deny God's greatness. And it was really helpful in uh, talking. I, I, was, I put Bridget Jones's di baby. I haven't seen it, so I couldn't tell. But I have seen Victoria. And I think what Hannah says is really great. Uh, Victoria, you can look and see, oh, I want to be a queen. I want to be great. I want to order people around. I can see myself as great when you look at a program like that. Or you can say, God is greater than the great queen. And... Uh, you can begin to, to take his greatness and put it next to the message that says he's not. You've got to keep thinking that way. When we finish on Sunday, I go home, there's a program for Poldark. I can't think of anything at the end of the day, so I sit down, I put the television on, and I just sit there and take it in. But I need to think. There are messages coming through that program that will tell me God is not so great. And I need to think and go for what is true and what is honourable and put that in its place. So I need to keep thinking. All those things in verse 8 are different ways in which we need to be encouraged to have a constant stream of different things we're thinking about that point us to the greatness of God and we need to see that it's not automatic. Paul says, whatever is like this, think. It's our choice. And how the light gets brighter or how the light gets dimmer depends on what we choose to think. 
and that's the head. But what about the heart? This church has been generous to the Apostle Paul. Uh, they have given him money. Uh, and in verse 16, he says that uh, they sent him money again and again uh, to, to help him. And that showed what their heart was like. Because he can look at the gift and see what's going on in their heart. He can see that they have a concern in verse 10. Now at last you've revived your concern for me. And he can see that they care in verse 14 because they can share his troubles. They are concerned, they are caring for him in them. And so uh, the Apostle Paul is uh, able to say that yes, I like your heart. I, I, it's not uh, uh, the money I'm after. I, I'm not after the gift, but I like your godliness, which is what the gift is pointing to in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, I seek the fruit that increases to your account. And so uh, uh, Paul is uh, very happy and, and there's a sense in which their heart shows their love for God as well. In the old part of the Bible, when they had a sacrifice, there was a certain sacrifice, a thankful sacrifice, on which they would put certain things uh, that made, made the sacrifice smell. So there's a sacrifice, they put some... Sorry, and it was like uh, something wonderful to smell. It's a bit like onions. Uh, onions are nothing. They're not that important. But the smell. When I go past the house uh, and their cooking makes me hungry. Now, what, the, what, what, what Paul is saying is that what these people are doing with their money in their giving is like doing that sacrifice in the Old Testament. It's a wonderful smell to God to, uh, uh, to uh, um, uh, be generous. And it also shows their heart is concerned for the gospel. In verse 15, it says that uh, uh, no other church entered into partnership uh, except in, in the giving and receiving except theirs. Partnership is when people are coming together to help other people to know about Jesus. We've heard this word before in chapter 1, verse 5, and Paul says how he thanks God for their partnership in the gospel. And in chapter 1, that means going out and telling other people. So when they're giving money to Paul, it's not just a personal present, it's a partnership in the gospel. They are giving to make the gospel known. And so uh, Paul is very happy to uh, see that their heart is like this. And he's not worried about them giving because in, in verse 19, then God is well able to supply what they have given. So they will not be left short. Uh, they will uh, know God's help in different ways because he will continue to look after them. So Paul is really 
happy for them, not for him. He says in verse 11 that uh, he doesn't really need the money in verse 11. Not that important because he has learned to be content. What does content mean? He has learned to say, oops, um, he's learned to, sorry, uh, could you just keep going until he gets to the, uh, that I have enough at the bottom. Uh, he's learned to be content. He has learned to say, I have enough. Now, that's not the message that we get from the world. The world, as Hannah was saying, is, um, I'm not enough. The advertising tells me, I need more. It's a bit like uh, my mates uh, when I was uh, Oliver Twist. Uh, they're saying, uh, go up, go up, go up. And I go, please, sir, I want some more. That's life. It's Oliver Twist with the bowl out. But Paul has learned to say, I have enough. And uh, uh, people have say, taken verse 13 and they've said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yeah, Correct. that's it. Uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That doesn't mean you can go off and do miracles and all things in that sense. But all things in the sense that at all all times God will strengthen you with what you have to say I have enough I have enough and so um, uh, we are able uh, to uh, uh, in the end uh, not link the greatness of God to whether we have or whether we haven't Paul is able to say he's learned the secret of being content not when he was, had lots and therefore I'm, I'm content, I've got enough. Of course you have, you've got lots. He didn't just simply say I'm content in those times. Nor did he say I'm content when I don't have anything and I learned how to be, say oh, I, I learned to do without anything, I have enough even when I have little. No, for Paul to say I've learned contentment, he has been exposed to both extremes. I've had lots, I've had little. But I've learned that neither lots nor little affect what I see as the greatness of God. I don't need lots and I don't need... It doesn't matter what I've got to help me to realise God is great. And I will always have enough to know that uh, God is great uh, and uh, uh, be confident about that. And so... He's not uh, saying, I'm in prison. Thank you for your money. Now I can buy some food I can eat. For Paul, food is not the big thing. But their heart and their reward is uh, the big thing. He is concerned about <coughs> their interests, not his food. Just helpful for us to remember that, isn't it? at mealtimes, after service, uh, when the food comes out, uh, are we basically here for the food or are we here to take a genuine interest in the people we are eating with? Uh, if we're just basically concerned about the food, 
then chapter 3 verse 19 is true, isn't it? Our God is our belly. Um, that's the main thing. But uh, for Paul, uh, he's not concerned about the food, he's concerned about their interests. He doesn't mind whether he eats or doesn't, but he sees their heart. And he sees it's in their interests uh, to see what a great heart they have uh, because of their generosity uh, to him. So it's all heart. Paul's loving them and they love him. And then lastly, uh, it's the hands. We normally greet someone with our hands, so that's why I put that heading. And every Christian in this church, uh, you can see uh, uh, saint is, uh, we saw in chapter 1, is the word that Paul uses to describe living Christians. And every living Christian matters. Greet every saint. And they are greeted by Christians from other places. Uh, you can see uh, in uh, verse 22, uh, verse 21, 22, uh, there are others that are greeting Paul. There are people with Paul in prison. In verse 21, the brothers who are with me greet you. But there are also, in verse 22, Christians in the palace. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. That shows you how the gospel has spread. You've now got Christians, not just in, in Philippi and all those other places. You've now got Christians in Rome, in prison, in the palace, everywhere. Christians. And we might just think this is a, a, a good way to finish a letter, say, we all send our love. No, Paul is linking the greeting to uh, the grace of Jesus in verse 23. Because we experience the grace of Jesus in our connections with each other. So here are Christians in this town called Philippi, probably seen as the low end of life. But there's a multitude of people in Rome, in the capital city, wanting to connect with them. And Paul is still thinking of his citizenship in heaven in chapter 3, verse 20. And the idea of Christians wanting to connect, waiting to connect with you in that uh, future is brought to mind by the greetings that we constantly have, uh, even from Christians who are far away. And a church like ours can be a bit like the church in Philippi. Maybe nothing special to look at, not very large, and yet it is brilliant for us to know that there are Christians connected with us in all sorts of other places supporting our work. Now people say, are Christians really connected? After all, we're pretty disconnected, aren't we? People say, look at the different denominations. So we're not really connected, are we? Well, it's a bit like a name, a denomination. My name, my surname is Reith. 
but I have closer connections with people who don't have my name than with some people who do have my name. And same with denominations. I have more connections sometimes with people who are not in the denomination that I am named under, but have connections with others, real Christians. Every saint in Christ Jesus is connected. doesn't matter what the name. There is that amazing uh, connection in that uh, deep way. And we need to stay connected, stay close, and uh, greet each other every chance. Because each greeting anticipates that uh, greeting we'll bring to each other uh, in heaven in the future. So, if you're not a Christian, uh, maybe just to think through what uh, this means. Um, the first thing it might be worth saying is uh, that we want to listen to what God says to us through this part of the Bible. And what God is saying to us is start thinking. Don't let other people do your thinking for you, tell you what to think about God or anything else. Start thinking. Start thinking about God's greatness. Because if you don't think like this, you know the road you go down? You go down the road of believing lies and you'll end up with a God, in fact, with no God to praise. If we don't get our thinking right, uh, our lives uh, will go wrong and our praise will be very, very dim. So become a Christian, and Jesus puts us in our right mind, showing us the greatness of God, that we might follow him. Or if you've been to church lots in the past, God's word to us is, consider your heart. How do you know if you're a caring person? How do you know if you are concerned? Well, what's your giving like? Because that will show that. Your giving will show your heart. What's the bigger thing in your mind? What you still need more of or are you thinking you have enough and God's word to you tonight is to seek a heart like this church that is concerned that is caring there's a fragrant offering to God which wants to uh, support uh, partnership work in the gospel. Have a heart. Ask God for a heart like that. And then if you're a genuine believer, um, oh dear. Um, if you're a genuine believer, well, it may be that uh, you'd be humbled uh, realising how much we don't think, how much we often let other people affect how we think and influence how we think. And it may be that if you're a real believer, hearing God speak to us through this passage tonight, it would be perfectly 
natural maybe for us to feel we've been a bit selfish. Uh, our hearts are not um, expressed in our care for others. We, uh, we express the care for ourselves in the way we spend our money. And it may be that that is something uh, that uh, uh, we've come to uh, see a difference between us and this heart. But maybe that actually we've become close in and said, actually, uh, I tend not to want to connect with other people. Uh, 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 I'd much rather be by myself. And it's a wonderful thing, is it, for God to put his finger on us and say, come, I want you to have a new heart. A heart that cares, a heart that uh, loves, a heart that uh, wants to support uh, partnership in the gospel. And I want you to be a person who enjoys connecting with my people in order that we might uh, uh, be uh, like uh, the early church in our church life today and to see how God's grace is what we experience as a result in our relationship with others. Well, let's pray that God will help us to think like that. Um, and it may be that uh, we could uh, uh, think together in some questions, in some answers uh, that we look at. Let's have a moment where we maybe just quietly think about what God might be saying to us through this passage and talk to him and uh, just spend a minute doing that before I finish by leading us in prayer after one minute. Well, let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for speaking to us very simply tonight to help us to see that when we uh, don't think that often our view of your greatness uh, comes down, gets dimmer. I thank you that you uh, encourage us tonight to stick a view of your greatness next to the things that can uh, pull uh, the battery down. And we pray that you please help us to do that. And please enlarge our hearts to show love for others through our support, through our partnership in the gospel. And please, Father, would you help us to love the greeting of each other and of other believers, even the ones far away we can't see, but who we support as a church. Please grant that we might see these are all ways of anticipating the grace of the Lord Jesus in heaven. And we pray that you would please help us, the church, to be united in thinking this way. For the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.